welcome to the Nutrition by Samantha podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, nutritionist who is on a mission to cut through the nutrition confusion and help you become the healthiest version of you. In this podcast, you'll find expert advice on all things binge and emotional eating, sustainable fat loss, sports nutrition, and all things in between. I hope you leave each episode inspired and empowered to make smarter eating choices. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode. So we are on episode seven today. Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned into my podcast since I've announced it on Instagram last week. I've had a whole lot more listens and I'm so excited that everyone's actually enjoying it. I've had some clients tell me that they are listening to it on the way to work and that's the little the thing to do on the way to work. So I'm going to continue obviously making these podcasts putting them out every Thursday so you have something to listen to on the weekend or on your way to work. Yeah, I really hope you're enjoying it and I really hope you're getting something out of it too. Well, in today's episode, so in episode seven, we are going to be talking about macros, whether you should be counting them or not when trying to lose weight because this is something that I get asked all the time is, oh, how do I start tracking macros or what do I need to look at with protein? fats and carbs and whatnot. So we'll be going through all that in a moment. Spring is here and it's such a nice day today. It's such blue skies and yeah, I can't wait to go out and take the doggo Ava for a walk today. Um, however, I am really struggling with my walks at the moment because the magpies are out and literally I am running out of roots to go on for walking because everywhere I go I'm getting bloody swooped by magpies it's stressing me out and honestly it's stressing Ava out too and she's just not happy but they just spot you a mile away so I I swear I have like PTSD now I'm always looking up like where the hell are these magpies coming from to make sure I don't get swooped but it's been happening since winter so I don't know when this is going to stop, hopefully soon, but it's bloody frustrating when I can't figure out which route to go on so I don't get swooped. I looked it up online and I read that magpies remember you. So they remember who you are. So if you piss them off, they will remember you forever. And they will like, when they see you, they will swoop you again because they remember you from whenever they swooped you last time or whenever you pissed them off last time. And that stresses me out so much. So yesterday I went on the Esplanade. So I, have to, I drive down to the Esplanade and then walk along there. And this magpie came and swooped me. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't even go on the Esplanade now without getting swooped. So I'm just hoping that it doesn't last too long throughout spring because I'm taking all these little back streets that I know are safe at the moment just so I don't get swooped. It's stressing me out, honestly. But that's that's that. And when it is spring, do you guys find you are eating a lot better or you're more active just because the sun's out and you're feeling good? I've noticed already since spring has hit, I'm already like leaning towards more fresher salads. I want more fruit just because it's just nice and warm. And yeah, the, the fresher foods make you feel better, make you feel lighter, make your digestion feel good. You don't feel like, I don't know hibernating on the couch sort of thing when the when the weather's a bit warmer so I hope that's for you too and I think also I always want to eat better in spring because I know summer's coming and I like to wear lighter clothes I like crop tops and shorts and whatnot and I just want to feel my best and if I'm eating well and I'm active I feel my best when I'm wearing those clothes and don't feel like I need to cover up as much or whatnot so I feel like there's a bit of that in there too I hope you're all enjoying the start of spring today 
Well, I have a news article that came up this week in my feed and it said, peanuts present a nutty solution for weight loss. Punny, right? Nutty solution. (laughs) Anyway, and I'm like, here we go. What is this going to say? So I obviously read the article pretty much said that um, having a handful of nuts twice a day helps with weight loss. And I'm like, okay. In my head, I'm thinking calories in versus out obviously has to be abided by for this to happen. Eventually, I found the study because surprisingly, these news articles didn't link the studies. So I'm like, you got to link what you're talking about, mate. Anyway, I found it. And so what it was, was you have to eat 35 grams of peanuts twice a day so right before your main meals for six months so this is in total 70 grams of peanuts a day which ends up being 450 calories of peanuts a day i'm like holy mac mac and cheese balls that is a lot of calories to be having every day just from nuts and i was wondering like how are they getting enough carbohydrates and enough protein in if they're losing weight but having 70 grams of peanuts Anyway, so it says here that the both groups were counseled by a dietitian on how to eat for weight loss. So the women had to eat 1,300 calories and the men ate 1,660 calories respectively. So that's what they had to eat. And these had to include the peanuts if they were in the group that ate the peanuts. So there was also another group that didn't eat the peanuts but stuck to that calorie deficit amount. So immediately I have some issues with this because... I don't know how well these people were coached to eat the 1300 calories if you're female or the 1660 if you're male, because it is hard to stick to a calorie deficit for six months on 1300 calories for women. And the ages of these these people were anywhere between 19 and 70 years old. So if you're having a 19 year old eating 1300 calories, she's going to be bloody hungry all day, every day. So I do wonder how frequently they were actually sticking to the calorie deficit amount that they were told to stick with, because it was all self-recorded as well. So every 24 hours, they had to recall into a system what they'd eaten um, and how much that they have eaten too. And something I know as a nutritionist is that people really struggle with recalling what they've eaten and putting it in accurately and accurately knowing what you're having each day because it is hard to put in um, your food intake and make sure you're getting it right too. So I do wonder if like how accurate these recordings were. So what this study found was the people that ate the peanuts lost 6.72 kilos in the six months and the group that didn't eat the peanuts lost 6.60 kilograms so it's only 100 grams difference over the six months um so what this tells me is that they both were must have been in some sort of calorie deficit to lose the six and a half ish kilos in each group However, where these calories came from is not so much of a big deal because they both lost similar amounts of weight, whether it came, they had majority of their calories coming from, not majority, but they had a fair bit of their calories coming from peanuts or not, the weight loss was still the same. So I hope this is a reminder that 
no matter what diet you follow, if you're in a calorie deficit, you will see weight loss results. However, it's important to make sure that the diet you do follow is something that you can do long term. Because if you're like, okay, then I'm going to cut out carbohydrates, that's just easier. What are you teaching yourself there to avoid carbohydrates forever for weight loss? Or once you get to your weight loss goal, what are you going to do? Never eat carbohydrates again? Like that's not a very fun life, to be honest. So when you do think of a a diet to follow, think about, is this sustainable long term? What are you going to do once this ends? Because I've also had clients be like, I just, I think I'm going to do the shakes just because I know I'm going to lose weight really quickly and it'll come off. And I'm like, okay, what happens once you lose the weight? Are you going to have shakes forever? And sometimes I get, I see clients that are that desperate. They're just like, I don't know. I'll figure it out when I get there. And honestly, you're not going to figure it out when you get there because you have to eat eventually. And whatever you eat is going to be more calorie dense than your shakes you're having and then you're not going to be learning how to eat long term for sustainable fat loss we've got to be patient learn good habits make them become a part of our lifestyle to be able to see the long-term results so with this group with the nuts and without the nuts I do wonder how well they did learn to eat well. I mean, they are very like on very low calories, both the men and the women respectively. So I do wonder like what they're going to do moving forward. Are they going to go back to usual eating habits? Are they going to keep nuts in their diet? Nuts are part, great and part of a healthy diet, but I probably wouldn't recommend making 450 calories of your diet coming from peanuts because if you're a woman eating 1300 calories, which is what this study says, which was not what I would recommend unless they're in the elderly category um, for weight loss. But if they're eating 1300 calories and then 450 is coming from peanuts, you have terrible maths, but it's much less than a thousand calories left over to come from for protein and for carbohydrates. And it's probably even less than that because although they're having peanuts twice a day, they're probably having more fats in their diet as well. So they're going to be having a little bit less carbohydrates and protein in their diet. So I wonder if they're losing the weight, how much protein they're getting in in particular to make sure that when they're losing weight, they're not losing so much muscle mass too. So it'd be very interesting to know. But what this study did find was that blood pressure was significantly lower in the peanut group. Now, I thought this was very interesting. So what they said is nuts are low in sodium and also contain a variety of nutrients, including mono and polyunsaturated fatty acids, minerals such as magnesium, potassium, fiber, antioxidants, and vitamins, which beneficial with beneficial influence on blood pressure. So that's what they think have reduced the blood pressure for the clients in the peanut group and their conclusion for their study said in conclusion intake of 35 grams of lightly salted dry roasted peanuts prior to two main meals per day in the context of a weight loss diet resulted in similar weight loss to traditional low fat weight loss diets in adults at risk of of type 2 diabetes after six months now i find this really interesting because when i looked at the news articles was saying they were saying that peanuts have peanuts and you'll lose weight and peanuts are a great solution for weight loss blah 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 but when you actually read the study what they're saying is you can have peanuts and still lose weight as long as you're in a calorie deficit so it's funny how the media twists these things so that people will click on their article be like oh i need to lose weight should i eat peanuts but when you read the study it just says eat in a calorie deficit mate that's what it says so yes that is very interesting and i hope this makes sense and i hope you realize also that there's no 
crazy solution to your weight loss goals. Eat in a calorie deficit, learn how to eat for sustainable weight loss. If you don't know how to do it, get help. Otherwise, you're just going to be going around in circles. You'll never get anywhere. And you'll just, yeah, it'll just be difficult. And you'll probably end up doing restrictive diets, losing weight, gaining it back. And each time you do that, it's going to make it harder and harder to lose weight long term. So that is the news article for this week. All right, time for my nutrition tip of the week to help with weight loss and this is something that I really love to tell my clients because it's like almost like oh my god that's so smart and they're mind blown even though it's just so simple but it is to pick the kids pack size snacks so if you're wanting to eat a packet of chips you really feel like a packet of chips maybe getting the big bag of chips is not the best idea because we all know once we start we don't really stop until the packets empty really so I always recommend get the kids packs ones where you get the big bag and there's like five or six little packs in there because that is portion control for you the only thing is you just have to have one of them you can't go back and get another one but what you'll end up doing is you'll end up eating it until you've finished the packet and nine times out of ten you'll be like that actually hit the spot and I don't need any more whereas if you had the big bag you'll just keep going keep going until you feel absolutely sick and you're like why did I eat an entire bag of chips so this can come in all different foods so for example i have popcorn on my desk at the moment and i've had popcorn the little packs um every day this week so that's another one where if i had a big bag i'll just keep snacking at the popcorn until i finish it whereas this one is portion controlled for me i have the cobs lightly salted slightly sweet or whatever it's called popcorn but there's all different kids packs of snacks out there so have a look for those this is also what i recommend with ice cream and desserts as well is to get things that are pre-portioned for you so instead of getting the four liter tub of ice cream get the ice cream on a stick and that way you're just eating one stick of ice cream and you can always check the calories on the back and majority of ice creams on a stick apart from like drumsticks and magnums are less than 100 calories so that's a really great option for a dessert option for you so have a look for any pre-portioned snack options make a huge difference to stick into portion control on to today's topic or this week's topic of whether we should be counting macronutrients for weight loss i guess we'll start by talking about what macronutrients are so if you don't know there's three macronutrients that people usually track there is technically four macronutrients so so our macronutrients are carbohydrates fats and protein and alcohol is also considered a macronutrient as well now each macronutrient contains a different amount of calories so one gram of protein provides four calories one gram of carbohydrates also provides four calories one gram of fat contains nine calories and one gram of alcohol contains seven calories so when we're counting macronutrients when we are counting it through my fitness pal just say we're putting in 100 grams of protein 150 grams of carbohydrates whatnot this is all counting up to your daily calorie intake and also reaching your macronutrient targets there is a lot of work that goes into counting macronutrients and it can be really hard to do at the start because you've got to use my fitness pal, you've got to know your calories, you've got to add it in and know how to balance out what foods you're having and what foods have what macronutrients to make sure you hit your calorie intake. So if you're unsure of what foods contain what macronutrients, counting your macros is going to be pretty hard at the start. Um, and then as you go on you start to learn what foods have what macronutrients and you start to get a little bit better at it and knowing what's a protein food what's a carbohydrate food and what's a fat food 
there are definitely some benefits to counting macronutrients. So it can be a great way for you to understand what foods make up what macronutrients and how many calories are also in the food as well. Usually when people are counting macronutrients, they've got themselves these specific grams of each macro to hit. So sometimes it's like you've got to hit this many grams of protein, this many fats and this many carbohydrates. And that can be really hard to do if you are starting out. However, counting macros will also just give you more awareness and ensure you're eating a balanced diet, which is great as well. However, do I recommend macro counting for weight loss? Simply no, I don't. Now, I don't recommend counting macros because I feel like it adds a whole lot more stress to my clients and it's just too stressful for them to try and figure out their macros while also completely changing their lifestyle. It's just a whole lot of work to be done, whereas it is a lot simpler way to lose weight and still ensure you are hitting macronutrients requirements for your diet without having to track everything. Because I do have clients that come to me and they're just starting out on their weight loss journey. They're like, I've tried counting macronutrients, blah, blah, blah. Like my PT told me to do this for macronutrients. I'm like, of course they told you to do that. It's the easiest way for them to give weight loss or diet advice without actually sort of breaking any legalities which they t- I suppose they technically are they're not meant to give any nutrition advice but it often comes from when you work with a PT they're like you've got to count your macros and when it comes to dieting you don't need to count macros to see weight loss results you do need to ensure you're getting enough of each macronutrient which is where counting macros can come into place but it's not necessary what you could do instead is just make sure you've got a balanced plate so your carbohydrate content your protein content you've got your fiber on your plate you've, you've got some fats within your diet and i can almost guarantee you if you were to do that you were to make sure you've got some carbohydrates some protein some fiber on your plate you have some fats throughout the day most of the time this can come naturally in foods and i guarantee you're going to hit these macronutrient counts anyway if you are hitting these And the reason why I'm so sure about this is because I have literally done this. So I plan out my clients' meals and their snacks based on what they feel like and just making sure they've got these balanced meals and snacks. And then sometimes I go back and just double check all their macronutrients are correct. And literally every single time I I get it right. I know that if I balance out their meals in a certain way, and that's what I teach my clients to do, and balance out their snacks in a certain way, I know they're going to hit their macronutrient targets, and I know they're going to get enough protein and enough fats and enough carbohydrates in without having to actually track the macronutrients that they're having too. When it comes to fat loss, the main macronutrient I bang on about all the time is making sure you've got protein on your plate. And this is because it's going to help prevent muscle loss and help prevent yeah muscle breaking down when you are trying to lose weight. Because when you go on a weight loss diet, you're not just losing fat. You're also losing muscle mass as well because you're in a calorie deficit. So you want to try to prevent this as much as possible and ensure we're having protein in our diet and enough protein. So if you're having protein in breakfast, lunch, dinner, and at least one of your snacks has protein in it, you're going to get enough protein in. You can work it out. You'll still be able to get, you'll be hitting at least one to 1.2 grams of protein for weight loss. Sometimes it's better to have more protein than 1.2 grams per kilo of body weight to lose weight, but in general, you're going to be getting close enough to having enough protein. And especially if you aren't weight trading, hitting, making sure you've got 
the protein in each of your meals is going to be more than adequate as well. The other downside to telling people to just count their macros is it's not ensuring you're actually eating a healthy diet because you can make this up with processed foods. This doesn't mean you're going to hit your micronutrient targets as well. So this is why I'd rather focus on balance by ensuring you're getting some whole foods in rather than be like, got to use your app, got to count your macros because you can easily eat a donut and a protein bar and whatnot and hit your macronutrient content um, for the day. But you're not going to be able to hit your micronutrient content. And this is something I don't really talk about much with my clients, which is micronutrient content, because it can be really tiresome to be honest to go through each macronutrient, micronutrient and what's required in each of them. So I always say just make sure you've got your vegetables, make sure you're having some fruit throughout the day and make sure you'll have a balanced play and you'll hit your macro and micronutrient content quite easily. Another limitation to counting macronutrients is what are you going to do if you're more hungry one day? What are you going to do when you go out for dinner and you can't really track your macros? What are you going to do if you've had way too much carbohydrates and you don't have room in your calorie intake and then your macronutrient intake to balance out the rest of your meals? Are you going to freak out? Are you going to be like, oh my God, I've ruined today? There's just a whole lot that goes into macro counting. And there is probably only a certain subgroup of people that I would recommend macro accounting for, and that is endurance athletes. So or any athletes that do a high volume of exercise, a lot of cardio and weight training as well. And that is to ensure they're having enough carbohydrates in their diet. So there is a certain amount of carbohydrates we should be having each day, especially if we are a really active person. So it is important to ensure we are getting enough Uh, carbohydrates in their diet too along with fats as well if you're having a really low fat diet and you're an athlete you're going to end up getting some sort of problems with injuries and your joints as well and overall health is going to be reduced if you're not getting enough fats in as well although i don't recommend macro counting everything you're eating i always recommend my clients to stay in their calorie deficit i give them like two main things to stick to if they're wanting to lose weight. Number one is their calorie deficit, stick to that amount. And number two is to ensure they've got protein in their meals. They're the two main things I get them to recommend, get them to ensure they're doing. Um, Because if not, I know one, if they're not in the calorie deficit, they're not going to lose weight. And two, if they're not eating enough protein, they're not going to, yes, they're going to lose weight, but it's not going to be body fat. It's going to be a little bit of muscle mass as well, which we obviously want to maintain our muscle mass as best as possible. So if you are somebody that does want to count their macros for weight loss and you are interested in counting macros, this is what I would recommend. Number one, know your calorie deficit. Know what calories you need to be having each day. Number two, make sure you're getting enough protein in. So it depends on the client how much weight they have to lose or where they're currently at their training. Anywhere between 1.2 grams to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight is ideal. And yes, that might sound like a lot, but once you sort of get them in, get some protein in your snacks and your meals, it's going to be a bit easier to hit at least 1.2 grams. Currently, the recommendations by the government is 0. I think 0.6 or 0.8 grams per kilo of body weight. And that is quite low, I believe. So if you um, are trying to lose weight, bump it up to at least 1.2 grams per kilo of body weight. Then we have your fats. So then I would like you to do about 0.8 to 1 gram of fat per kilo of body weight and then make the rest up with your carbohydrates. And that will give you a balanced 
diet. Like I said, if you are an endurance athlete or a really active person, we need to be tracking your carbohydrate intake too. That amount really depends on how much activity you're doing as to how much carbohydrates to have. And most of the time, if you're this active, I doubt you're probably on a weight loss diet as well. I'm sure if you are being this active, you're probably already maintaining your weight at a healthy weight for you. To sum up what I've just spoken about, if you want a macro account, you definitely can and is a great way to learn about what foods have what macronutrients in them. So if you're not sure of this, start using MyFitnessPal, add in what you have, have a look at what how many grams of what macronutrient are in each food, and this will give you a good idea of what's a high protein, high fat, and high carbohydrate food. However, if you find macro counting overwhelming and calorie counting can be overwhelming at some point too, then I'd recommend just focusing on that balanced diet. You'll just you'll see you'll see results, I promise. Focus on the balance, make sure you're not overeating. And if you're somebody that does want to lose weight, wants to gently track what they're having then I'd recommend stick to their calorie deficit amount and just make sure they've got protein in every single meal and you'll be kicking goals, promise. Now it's Q&A time. So I put a Q&A on my Insta stories on Sunday to answer your questions. And the first question I got was, how can you mindfully eat when it's a banquet type meal? Hey, it's Samantha here from the future, or it's Wednesday night now. I've recorded the episode on Monday, and then today I was thinking about my episode and what I had spoken about, and if I was happy with everything I had spoken about before before I upload it for you. And I was thinking about this question, and I'm like, wait a minute, I've spoken about a buffet. I'm not, I haven't spoken about a banquet. I've spoken about a buffet. So I'm like, shit, I need to get back to my laptop and I need to edit this and actually put recommendations for what was asked, which was a banquet. So I'm going to give you my recommendation now for a banquet and then you'll hear the buffet and what I had said for a buffet. So you're welcome. You're getting more, more information out of me because my silly ass can't differentiate between a banquet and a buffet. But anyway, so if you are eating at a banquet, it is actually really hard to mindfully eat. And it's one of those things where you don't really have a banquet option, you know, thing that it doesn't happen like very often. And they are usually quite expensive. Like it's very rare you get a banquet for less than $70. So I always say just enjoy what you're going to have. You're going to be spending a fair bit of money on this. So just enjoy what you're given. But at the same time, I would also recommend one, not to get there starving. Um, you'll probably just end up eating all the bread if there's heaps of bread coming out, which is probably not going to be ideal. Number two, don't eat anything just because it's in front of you. And especially if you don't like it, if you don't actually like, or you're like, oh, I'm not going to really like this, just don't have it, just leave it. And number three, if you are genuinely full, stop eating like don't push yourself to eat more um because you're just gonna feel like crap afterwards so yeah they're my three recommendations for a banquet it's it is hard one um and when i go to a banquet i really struggle to mindfully eat because you just get what you're given sort of thing you don't know sometimes what's coming next or how many courses are coming as well so you don't know if you actually get full of this banquet because i have had a banquet before where i was bloody starving afterwards and i was so mad because i spent so much money and had so many entrees and little things come out and i was still hungry so i went and got dumplings afterwards so you never really know how much you're actually going to get so just keep going until you feel satisfied and full and Um, stop when you are feeling like that and don't eat anything that you don't actually like that's just a simple recommendation for a banquet okay so going on to if you're going to a buffet (laughs) I'm going to say the word banquet in this but obviously I'm talking about a buffet (laughs) sorry 
So number one I would recommend is don't get there hungry because you, if you get there hungry, you're going to make poor choices, overload your plate, eat too much, feel stuffed, feel sick, and then be mad at yourself afterwards. So I always recommend having a snack before you get there and a high protein snack too to keep you full. So this could be a yogurt, a couple of hard boiled eggs, cottage cheese or tuna on rice cakes, have something like that before you get to dinner so you're not starving once you get there. Once you get there, have a look at what's on offer and Think about how can I make a balanced plate with all these options. So, for example, when I go to a banquet type meal and just say it's at a family's house and they've just got all the different options, I'm going to think, okay, I need to add some protein onto my plate. So let's have a look at all the protein options and let's pick something to put on and make that make a quarter of your plate. Then have a look around, okay, I need some carbohydrates on my plate now. What are you going to do? You might find the baked potatoes or some rice. Put a quarter of your plate with rice or your baked potatoes, so your carbohydrate sources. The half of your plate, we want it to be loaded up with vegetables. Have a look around. What salad or cooked vegetable options are there? And make that make up half of your plate. And that will be the easiest way to eat mindfully when you're there and make sure your plate is balanced. Then when you're eating, we want to make sure we are eating till we are satisfied and not overly stuffed. So think about your fullness cues. Are you about a seven to eight out of 10 fullness? If you are, stop eating. There's no need to eat more. We don't need to overeat. And you'll feel a whole lot better afterwards when you're able to eat well still while you're at a banquet type type meal. Um, so there will be my tips. Number one, don't get there hungry. Number two, have a look around, see what you can do to make a balanced plate. And number three, eat till you're satisfied and not till you're overly full. You don't need to be stuffed after every single meal. You can just be satisfied. So that's what I'd recommend with that. Also considering you don't know what's in the food as well. So you just want to make sure that you are just eating till satisfaction and that you'll be less likely to overconsume on calories too. Okay, hope that was really helpful. My next question actually ties into today's topic on macro counting, but it was if new to tracking food, where do you start? It's overwhelming when Googling. What I recommend is to start by downloading an app like MyFitnessPal, and that's where you can start tracking. Now, what you want to do is go into your settings and change your calorie intake. So just say your calorie intake is 1600 calories, type in 1600 calories and then start tracking your food that way. So literally just put in what you're eating and what you'll find is you're like, oh, I went over a bit this day. What foods can I cut back on? What can I add more in to help balance out my calories? And a way you can do that is exactly what I spoke about today, which is to make sure you've got your protein on your plate, some carbohydrates, some vegetables and you'll be well on your way to um, tracking your intake accurately and keeping within your calorie deficit amount or calorie amount this person actually didn't specify for weight loss but it could be to maintain or to gain weight as well so make sure you're in your cal- you're staying in your calorie intake and yeah just keep tracking keep seeing how you're going you'll find over time you'll start to learn more and you'll get better and better at tracking your calories and After a little while, you will start to know what calories are in what foods and what macros are in what food, and you'll find you won't need to track your calories anymore. You'll just know what you're eating because you've done it for such a long time. You've tracked calories for such a long time. So for me, I know pretty much all the calories in majority of foods. Although I am a nutritionist, a lot of it did come from when I did used to track my calories. However, now it's because I do it literally every single day. I now know every single food and the calorie content. I'm actually quite impressed with myself. Like me and my husband play a joke, a game of, can you guess what calories are in this food? And 
honestly, I get it pretty damn accurate every time and I'm pretty impressed with that. But that's because I literally do it every day. I'm always looking at different foods for my clients and how I can fit it into their diets as well. So that that's why. But in general, you'll just get a better idea of calorie intake when you start tracking and start getting used to it. And like I said before, with the macronutrients, don't stress too much about hitting your macros. Just make sure you've got protein in every meal, you've got some carbohydrates, and you've got your fiber and your vegetables on your plate as well, and you'll be kicking goals. Okay, now my next question was, what are your top five go-to snacks? So my personal top five go-to snacks will be different to the five snacks I recommend. So I'll do both. My go-to snacks for my top five is fruit, Chobani Greek yogurt, popcorn packs, bigger cheese stringers, and cottage cheese on rice cakes. They're my absolute favorite snacks that I go to. However, for my clients, when they're wanting to lose weight, I always recommend the higher protein snack options. So this would also be the Chobani Greek yogurts, cottage cheese or tuna on rice cakes, hard-boiled eggs, a Carmen's protein bar, especially if they're on the go. But I also ensure that they are getting enough fruit into their diet. So yes, high protein is great. However, you do want to make sure you're getting fruit in your diet just to ensure you're getting enough micronutrients in too. So whether you're having fruit for breakfast, whether it's on your porridge or a smoothie, make sure you're getting two servers in. So if you have one serve of fruit in your breakfast, you need to make sure that your snack has another serve of fruit there too. So whether you do a piece of fruit and a yogurt, perfect, then you've hit your two snacks. So just make sure you are balanced with your snack options too. But yeah, there will be my recommendations for my five go-to snacks. So my next question was additives in food and what should we avoid? Now, number one, one I'd recommend to avoid would be trans fatty acids. So these occur naturally in foods and they can be manufactured and put into foods. Now the ones I'd recommend to avoid would be more so the manufactured trans fatty acids. So manufactured trans fatty acids are formed when liquid vegetable oils are partially hydrogenated or hardened during processing to create spreads such as margarine, cooking fats, deep frying, shortening for baking, that sort of thing. Whereas naturally occurring fatty acids are including in butter, cheese, and meat. So although you don't want to have too much of those naturally occurring TFAs, they're not the ones that I'm most concerned about. I am most concerned about the manufactured or industrialized, it's called as well, trans fatty acids. Now, there is strong evidence that trans fatty acids increase the amount of bad, so low-density lipoprotein cholesterol in our blood, which is a major risk factor for coronary heart disease. Also, the trans fatty acids decrease the level of good, which is high density lipoprotein cholesterol in our blood. Now, the World Health Organization recommends that we have no more than 1% of our daily energy intake that should come from trans fatty acids, the manufactured kind. So we're very lucky here in Australia that we have a really good food system and majority of manufactured trans fatty acids have been removed from our diet. And this happened during the 1990s when a lot of these studies came out about how bad it was for it and then eventually um, the government got onto it and now manufacturers you have to have to say if it's in it and majority of the time it's removed from the foods that we have so now in australia we have less than one percent of our diet coming from trans well manufactured trans fatty acids although it's removed from our diet if you're still having lots of junk food deep fried food you will consume more trans fatty acids so as long as you are having more fresh foods you are more likely to have less trans fatty acids in your diet 
As a little history lesson, so in the 70s, animal fats such as butter, pork, lard, beef tallow are what contributed to heart disease and cancer. And so to reduce these saturated fats, they started switching to vegetable oils, which were perceived as healthy because they contained little saturated fats. However, manufacturers had to find a way to make them solid to help with texture, spreadability, crispiness, and shelf life. So that's where the vegetable oils and the manufactured trans fatty acids comes into play. And now that's mostly being removed from our diet. Now, there is only one sort of way to know if you have it in your foods that you're eating. And it is just to read the nutrition panel and the ingredient list as well. So on the nutrition panel, it is okay for manufacturers to be 20% off with their what they're putting on the nutrition panel, which is crazy, but it is legal. So even the calorie content, it might say 300 calories, but it could be like, I don't even know what 20% of 300 is, but it could be like 320 calories instead of 300. So things like, like that. And with the trans fatty acids, if there's the amount between zero and 0.5% in the food, they can just say it's zero. They can round down to zero. So it is important to know that as well. However, if it's over 0.5, then they need to, they need to put how many, like what point percent is on the, is in the food. So that's something to note as well. So when we're looking in the ingredient list, we want to be looking for two words, which is hydrogenated and shortening. So these two words are pretty much saying that there will be trans fats in the food. Shortening is almost always made from partially hydrogenated oils, and that's how you know it has trans fats in it. So in all, look for hydrogenated vegetable oil on your nutrition panel to see if that has trans fatty acids in there. The second additive I would recommend to avoid is sodium nitrate. This is a common preservative used in cured meats like bacon, deli meat and jerky um, and has been linked to the development of heart disease and diabetes and it has been known to be a carcinogen which means it causes cancer. So the way sodium nitrate works is that it is cooked at a high temperature and then it forms a compound called nitrosamines and this is the known this is known as carcinogens which means cancer causing. So anything like bacon, deli meats, hams, all that sort of thing, you need to be avoiding as much as possible and I really don't recommend having it more than once a week at the maximum would be once a week. There's been so many studies that have been done to say that this that these are cancer causing. So it isn't just fluff. It's definitely been well documented to be really unhealthy for you. So they're my two recommendations of things to avoid. So we have trans fatty acids and sodium nitrate. Everything else I like you hear, you hear about MSG, high fructose corn syrup. Yes, we want to be avoiding these things, but Honestly, they're not going to be too detrimental on our health unless you're having way too much of it. So the other two things are ones that like the sodium nitrate and the trans fatty acids are the ones that I just recommend just to avoid at all costs just because they are not healthy for you. Well, that brings me to the end of the episode, episode seven. Woohoo! I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really hope you got a lot out of it. If you have any questions, please send me a DM on Instagram at nutrition underscore by Samantha. And I look forward to chatting again next week. If you are interested in improving your health, improving weight loss, making it a whole lot easier for yourself so you don't have to be guessing, umming and ahhing and actually get the results you're after, please send me a DM and we can chat more. You can book a consultation on my website, www.nutritionbysamantha.com.au. 
give me a follow on wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. If you want to leave me a five-star review, that would be great. If you don't, then pretend you didn't hear this. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward to chatting more next week. Bye. Have a great day, guys.